You are listening to the Some Good Content Podcast, a swipe file of proven content plays shared by some of the most successful content marketers out there doing the work. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hello, everybody. My guest today on the Some Good Content Podcast is Sonia Jacob, the global content marketing lead at App Dynamics. I said it right, right, Sonia? You said it Plural. right. It was perfect. <laughs> and Sonia is jumping on the podcast today. She shares a, a unique perspective because you, you're marketing and creating content for a very technical audience, which yep. you know is is uh, something you know I I haven't really done. Like I've always kind of marketed to marketers. So yep. um, and I think there's probably a lot of people in the group who are doing that, are marketing to more technical audiences. Um, or ones maybe a little bit more resistant to marketing, I guess you would yes. say, uh, to be nice. Um, so Sonia, allergic, yeah. So Sonia brings a, a unique perspective there, and she's sharing a play with us, uh, kind of what she's learned, and uh, you know, a play that um, you know they've executed on uh, that that's paid off in the last six to twelve months. So I'm excited to hear that uh, a different perspective than the marketer marketing to marketers. So. Um, yeah, first, just to kick off, Sonia, like, give us an idea of how important content is uh, just as a channel at AppDynamics. Sure. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me on your show. I'm super excited to be here and talk about content. Um, and you're a guest. Yeah. You're, you're a member of the group, too. This is like... Yeah, I'm a member. I mean, <laughs> this is like, I'm fully bought in, John. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think the thing about content is that um, sometimes it can sort of feel like it has a backseat in different organizations or it doesn't get a lot of respect. I think in terms of the situation I'm in right now, content is pretty much the crux of a lot of our activities. So, you know, how I like to describe it is, is in terms of um, two kind of categories, you know, broadly speaking in our marketing org, in terms of what we do. We have campaigns, uh, which are really temporal. Uh, they're time-based and, mm -hmm. you know, they depend on product releases and things of that nature. And then we also have these always on campaigns. And so these things sort of uh, live, these tracks live side by side and content fuels both of those, those tracks. So it's pretty critical, um, you know, for example, you know, a recent example would be, uh, you know, Cisco, our parent company actually acquired a company called Thousand Eyes and, um, you know, to sort of drive that awareness in the market, um, we went to market with, you know, like a, a campaign that was completely driven by content. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, technical webinars. Um, we're talking about sort of executive roundtable content. We're talking about top of funnel guides that are just really just educational pieces. So, those were the pillars of the campaign, <clears throat> pardon me, and that's what we went to market with. So content is pretty critical at AppDynamics. Tell us real quick too, like what's the the uh, the pitch? Like what does AppDynamics do? Yeah, sure. So um, it's application performance monitoring software, which essentially uh, manages all of the interplay on the back end of thousands of different application environments uh, for enterprise companies. So you know, if you are, for example, buying a ticket to fly across the country, uh, like I'm gonna do in a couple weeks. Um, you know, in order to ensure that your digital experience, the one that you're having as a user is seamless and, you know, completely bug free and everything is working how it should, um, you need to be using an application performance monitoring tool um, to monitor those pieces. So different containers on the back end. Um, it's bringing together, you know, critical cloud infrastructure, compute network, bringing that all together and making it easy for IT folks, IT ops folks right. to actually 
see, identify, and take action on any issues. Little different, right, from the audiences you've marketed to in the past. Like your yes. background is HubSpot, Kiss Metrics, Drift. So you've yep. you've been entrenched in that world of creating content marketing for content marketers. Um, oh yeah. So like, what is talk about the adjustment that you had to make personally, um, totally. and kind of like your playbook and you know that you've developed over the years working for the companies you had. Did that still work? Did you have to throw it out? Like, how did you adjust to marketing and creating content for a new audience? Totally. Well, first and foremost, I was not prepared for how hard it was going to be. Um, I think, you know, to be, you know, full disclosure, I had no idea how difficult it would be to market to IT ops developers to some degree, uh, technical folk in general. Um, you know, as you said, I, I was coming from a very marketing first background, you know, marketing to sales reps, uh, other marketers, you know, people kind of in the crosshairs, growth marketers, things of that nature. And when I made this shift, it was a total challenge. Nothing in my playbook was was working in the same way where it was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, this is really cool. You know, comment on a bunch of posts and, and get engaged in the conversation. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> IT people don't want to engage in the comments to talk about <laughs> your product. That is just not that's not what happens. Um, and I think that really forced me to think about things a lot differently. Um, and I think also just internally, you know, um, it forces us to measure things differently as well. Uh, we're not looking to necessarily evaluate the success of say a social program based on, you know, how many people comment or how much buzz we get. Um, so it really makes us look at say the traffic that we are getting <clears throat> a bit differently um, and evaluate, you know, our performance a bit differently. Uh, so it's just been, you know, a, like a total learning experience. Right. And, and I would think that this has an impact too on the channels that you leverage, right, to promote content. Like is, is LinkedIn in play? Is Twitter in play? Are those things big places yeah. for you to be posting content and engaging? Like are, you know, are IT and ops, are these folks on LinkedIn looking for content? Or like, you know, are you looking at forums, you know, different types of forums and, right. you know, um, uh, whether it's indie hackers or, or uh, uh, there's a couple other ones I can't think of right now. But like, how does, how, how do the channels that you leverage from a content standpoint, how does that change? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think first and foremost, it, it goes without saying that certainly there is a shift happening, you know, in just the broad, the world at large where, you know, consumers are consumers wherever they are, right? Whether they're buying something for their house or if they're buying software for their company. And so I think there's there's an element there that, um, there's an element of truth there that kind of forces us to still leverage those traditional channels on some level uh, because people do uh, get exposure to different brands and ideas, especially right. if you do it in a calculated and strategic way, if you're retargeting folks uh, that have visited the site, things of that nature. So. I do think that some of the traditional channels still work. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is still very useful for us because, you know, we're in addition to going after, you know, practitioners, we're also going after, you know, IT leaders, people who are, uh, you know, making key decisions about what software to buy for large organizations. So there is a fair amount of utility with regard to LinkedIn. But for example, you know, we are not going to, we're not necessarily going to find a lot of success and have not found a lot of success on Facebook, um, you know, for example. I mean, there might be some edge cases, but for the most part, no. And certainly 
Twitter is useful uh, on some level for you know driving conversations, but you know it's not the primary channel that we go after. We have the presence there, but we don't necessarily get as much out of it as say a LinkedIn. And so we've seen you know the the brunt of our you know impact on LinkedIn in terms of channels. Right. Um, and I think going forward, as we sort of experiment with some other tactics those, you know, those platforms that, you know, you mentioned will become more and more important. Tell me about formats. Like what what works best? What are you what is your team investing in right now? Text, audio, video? Like when you yeah. talk about your content marketing program, what does it consist <clears throat> of? Yeah. So for us, um, you know, the juiciest pieces are webinars. Um and especially now as sort of everyone is scrambling to replace the impact of in-person events, webinars are even more important. But for us specifically, you know, we're kind of doing things on webinars that are critical in a couple key ways. Number one, um, you know, in terms of educating people about the product, this is, you know, this is an audience that just wants to see shit work. They want to understand, like, how do you do this? Like, just show me, you know, show me the product in action. And so they don't want the us, theory. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't want to. This is not a hype situation. You know, right. in some cases it can be kind of it can feel a little bit like that. But for the most part, you know, we get a lot of bang for our buck when we are doing, you know, what anyone else would call a technical webinar. But in, you know, this business, we're just calling it a webinar like people expect for you to show off the product and talk about the product in granular detail. And so, you know, obviously that performs exceptionally well, especially like w with what I would call the fat middle, you know, folks who are not necessarily C-suite uh, IT folks, but they are, you know, senior practitioners, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you, you do get so much impact. We get a ton of impact out of those webinars. Um, so, and then there's like, then there's the other side of, of the equation, which is um, how do you access like IT leaders? If they are in the C-suite, um, what drives that level of credibility? For us, you know, analyst reports are still really big. You know, like I've never in my career seen the, this kind of result, mostly because startups are unwilling to work with big AR firms or don't have the budget for it. Um, but for us, these are the things that buy credibility and mind share and actually force us into a lot of conversations, uh, sales conversations, to be honest. And so what does the team look like? Um, you know, like how many people, what are, you know, what, what are they focused on and, you know, uh, kind of walk us through what the team is, uh, is, is looking like in terms of content. Yeah. So it's funny because, uh, we are a small but mighty team and I feel like a lot of content people say that, um, <clears throat> but we work with a broad array of folks that make it possible for just, two people, myself included, and one half-time freelancer to churn out uh, as wow. much content as we do. And also what I would say is punching above our weight class. Like we are pretty tiny, um, but, you know, the core group there is also depending on, you know, an amazing, you know, demand gen presence and from my colleague, Alyssa, you know, someone who is doing the distribution on social with my colleague, Brooke. And so, you know, we're all sort of, you know, working together to have more of an impact. And I think that piece is really critical. But uh, in terms of the content, the content team structure right now, I have myself, uh, I have a demand gen content marketing manager, uh, Adrian Jack. 
Um, and then we have an amazing, uh, you know, freelance uh, writer, uh, Scott Stransky, whom I love. Um, and that is our core <clears throat> team. Uh, very, very tiny, um, but very, very impactful. Yeah. And you have to have real tight processes, right? When you're a small team and you're getting a lot of shit done, that can't happen yes. if you're just like coming in every week or, you know, trying to figure out what content you're going to publish, uh, you know, a week or oh, even yeah. two weeks in advance. Like you have to have the whole, the whole process buttoned down almost to the point. And I've written about this in the group where it's boring. Like you're the process of bringing content to market is almost boring. So right. I, I would assume you must have like some pretty good processes documented in the team. Uh, all that stuff is pretty well streamlined. Well, yeah, and I think it's streamlined. Yes, I think our philosophy is streamlined. But anytime, you know, you work in a large organization, so our marketing team at AppDynamics is, you know, well over 80 people globally. Um, you know, when you're working with a team of that size, uh, the most important thing is guarding the perimeter. <laughs> that sounds really ridiculous, but here's what I'm talking about. You have to learn what to say yes to and what to say no to. Um, and so I think it's pretty easy for folks, uh, you know, especially if they don't, if they haven't worked with content teams in the past in large orgs, you know, they will come to you for basically anything if they sense there's an opportunity to that you'll say yes, you know. And so what I really try to impress upon, you know, the folks that I work with um, is just the power of saying no to, to things that are just not going to help us. Um, yes, we have the potential to do a ton of work, but only if we say yes to the right things. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it's especially when you're a smaller team, the, the marketing and, and content team tends to almost be like an, an internal agency for yes. other departments. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you can write, like you can put together this email or put together this landing page, or can you proof this, this new product page for us? Yep. Um, and you're right. You can't say no to all those things all the time, but like just prioritizing and planning and making sure totally. you're setting right expectations internally is, is critical. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about this play, um, yes. which is, which was super interesting because you kind of learned that you were going to have to market a bit differently. This audience, uh, was a little more like GSD, show me how to get shit done. So you yeah. kind of, uh, rebranded some of your content underneath like a new content asset, right? Um, yeah, that kind of spoke yeah, the language did. of the audience. So kind of tell us about that whole initiative. Yeah, totally. So I think that one of the things that you notice coming into, uh, so I've been at app dynamics for, I think like almost two and a half years now and coming into that sort of, uh, arena early on, what I realized is that we were, we were kind of using our blog and our content in such a way that didn't necessarily feel super buyer friendly. It felt a bit biased, you know, to be honest. So um, there was this cultural uh, and, and perspective shift that had to happen internal, internally around the role of content and really what types of content move the needle. And so um, what I realized early on is that in order for us to be successful, it's it's about me not only understanding the product and the value, but also finding other people in the organization who understand the product and the value, but at a much deeper level. Mm. You know, these are, you know, obviously people traditionally call these subject matter experts, but whatever you want to call them, SMEs or otherwise, it's really about creating an internal base of, of experts who can, you know, you know, be your uh, expert commentary for blog posts or, you know, include them in reports or pick their brain about, you know, generally like, how does this product work? What kind of value does it drive? What is the problem that it is solving? Uh, so 
we kind of did something that allowed us to uh, gain more credibility with our content. And, you know, to put it simply is we rebranded it. Um, and we leveraged a term that was is pretty prevalent in the software development space, and that's shift left. The idea that you're testing earlier, uh, learning faster, and you know, iterating um, a bunch in order to get to you know a better place with your software, like the product of your software development. Um, which you know, obviously, philosophically, we're not like we're not targeting just developers. That's that's not the point. The idea is. Um, how do we convey the idea that we have some sort of, you know, insight and credibility into the optimal way for doing this, how people learn. Um, and so that was really the foundation for Shifting Left, uh, the series that really became a broader content program uh, for us in the last like six to nine months. And so um, this had a lot of different outcomes, but I think more specifically, what it allowed us to do was actually get a bit more street cred with our target audience because we weren't, you know, like a couple of content marketers creating blog posts about what we thought, you know, was, you know, trendy in the IT space. We were actually having, you know, our IT experts and we continue to have our IT experts and product experts internally talk about these issues. So that's awesome in terms of a street cred, you know, play. Yeah. But then I think in addition to that, as much as people who are technical might not necessarily buy into the hype mobile, I have noticed that when they're in the content, when they're authoring the content, you know, when they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into it, they want to talk about it. They want to promote it. And so that has actually been super valuable. Like, so in terms of, you know, driving traffic, raising awareness, having, you know, some of those conversations happen that, you know, traditionally just don't happen with this, with this target. Right. What I love about this is I think where a lot of companies go wrong in this approach is they'll do the rebrand. They'll create the, the content asset called Shift Left, but then they'll hire some freelancers to write about things they've never done. They've never done the work. So I think yeah. what, what you did and why it worked, what gave you the street cred wasn't the name, right? Shift Left, right. you could have called it anything. What gave yeah. you the, the street cred was having the the internal subject matter experts. I, I, they were all internal, right? Ones that work at App Dynamics. Yep, exactly. Kind of on. And and what did that turn into? Like, were you able, like, so you record these, uh, what are they, podcasts, webinars? Like, did you transpose yeah. that into other things, like written content? And, like, what were you able to do with that? Yeah, so it's an ongoing, you know, it's like an ongoing project, um, you know, bandwidth constrained, but certainly something that um, we were able to kind of roll out into a fully fledged effort. So we launched uh, the Shifting Left podcast. Uh, which was awesome for us because we we had never done that before. Um, and so, you know, just churning out monthly podcasts or at whatever cadence we possibly could um, and featuring internal experts, you know, I have a, a colleague, Shrey Preck, and, you know, he's totally the person you want to talk to about cloud. So we have him on, um, you know, we find new opportunities to bring product experts from the org into webinars. Uh, maybe we don't always call them webinars. Maybe they're just like episodes of Shifting Left. Right. And they're talking about, you know, everything from, you know, cloud optimization to potentially, you know, bringing together network and application visibility. So uh, by kind of planting those folks from the org into the content, you don't have to worry so much about like, oh, like, am I getting all this product stuff right? Because they're the product people. Right. Those are the folks that you should be, you know, spotlighting. And so that has been huge for us. Talk like so. Walk us through the process of actually recruiting internal subject matter experts uh, yeah. because depending on who it is, like you know, I've I've done this before where it's sometimes some folks are you know they're hesitant right to to yeah. to get on or they're 
they're self-conscious, you know, marketers were used to doing this kind of thing, right? Um, so t- walk us through the actual logistics of, you know, so you, you create this brand internally, it was probably an easy sell to the marketing team. Yeah. More broadly, throughout the organization, how did you position it and how did you go about actually recruiting other people and get them excited to come and participate in it? Yeah, totally. So I think to be perfectly honest in the beginning, we struggled with trying to explain something to folks who are very, not literal, but there was this expectation that we were literally talking about like shift left in the software development space. Right. Yeah. So there was, you know, it, in full disclosure, you know, there was a fair amount of like just education. We we're like, no, this is like philosophically. The program is about the idea that if you are learning sooner, uh, you can build a better anything and build a better X, Y, or Z. And so once that sort of education uh, you know, started happening, it got a lot easier, you know, to be totally tactical here. I recorded a video, um, you know, like a, a video internally to tell people what this program was all about. Because unlike in the startup space, when you have, you know, maybe 10, 15 people to tell, you know, at a large company, you're talking about getting five, six emails a day from folks across the org asking you, what is the shift left thing I've heard about? <laughs> So I recorded a video um, and that was, you know, super useful because then I was able to present to people and I was like, hey, listen to it at 2x speed, whatever you got to do. It's 10 minutes long. Jump in. You'll figure out what it's all about. Um, And that helped a ton. The other thing is that I was able to uh, partner with a product marketer, Vikram Parmar, who, you know, he was like, hey, like I've been a sales engineer. I'm in product marketing now. I know how to speak their language. So I'm going to go to them and I'll explain to them what shifting left is. So the second part was absolutely identify someone who can speak that language and, and mm. start to work within the org to recruit people. And that helped a ton. Um, you know, with Vikram's help, we were able to put together like a hit list of people that were like, hey, I'm I'm totally all about doing this. Just let me know what you want. Um, and it was great. Uh, so he was kind of acting as an intermediary there. Um, so basically find your one evangelist internally, find that one evangelist first. Don't worry about racking up or booking 10 interviews, find that one evangelist internally. That'll be kind of your point person to everyone else. hundred percent. And it's super useful because in, in this kind of setting, you know, at a company that's focusing on delivering APM software, you know, there isn't, now I'll be honest, like there isn't at the outset, always a hundred percent understanding of marketing's role. Man, it's just how it is. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to earn people's trust and you need to earn, uh, you know, the right to chat with them and things like that. So um, that was really, really critical for us, just working with Vikram, being able to have that internal champion. Uh, it's kind of like APM. We were multi-threading um, <laughs> in terms of trying to get to these people. Um, <laughs> and then uh, in addition to that, I think the other part was like, kind of like, giving the broader organization something to see and believe in with with shifting left. Um, And, you know, there were a couple ways that we did that. The first thing was like, we need to be more sort of front facing about what this is, you know, build the landing page, you know, show people's faces on it. Don't just make it some corporate thing with stock photography. Like, so in the case of shifting left, it was, you know, I was a host, my colleague, you know, Adrian Jack was a host, uh, Vikram Parmer was a host. Let's put our faces up there. Like, let's not use some, you know, random stock photography for this. And so that was, that was critical as well uh, for just kind of, you know, sharing that broader notion. And then, um, related, you know, during this sort of uh, initial period of, you know, pandemic, every, you know, all of these in-person events get canceled. 
we were able to have a very large event uh, with Alexis Ohanian uh, as sort of like a kickoff for you know the program, um, and it was huge. It ended up being huge for us in terms of you know driving traffic, driving awareness, uh, registrations for um, you know the actual webinar with Alexis and. You know, believe it or not, it's kind of insane, but we got a ton of target accounts at the at the webinar too. So these things kind of work all hand in hand, I think. And so it sounds like you also you shared with me earlier that you created sort of like a a mini funnel, um, yep, or or uh, for uh, around the content basically. So like mm-hmm. from a from a real tactical standpoint, mm-hmm. like how did the so you know you you built these assets around shift left. You're building street cred. You're featuring subject matter experts. So, like, how did you then, you know, or what did you put in place to help funnel that into into real business or conversions? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, totally. Um, so for us, like, really, what we were looking at was creating this brand new funnel where it just didn't exist anymore. And obviously, we have a lot of marketing infrastructure in terms of tracking our overall progress. But for this specifically, we were looking at traffic both to our shifting left blog posts. Uh, down funnel conversions related to uh, those posts. So, uh, you know, if we're doing something on hybrid cloud, for example, um, and it's a shifting left blog post, um, we're going to, if it's a temporal element, we're going to hype to uh, a webinar about hybrid cloud, you know, in the blog post um, as we're promoting it and we're measuring those conversions on page in Mm -hmm. the blog post. Um, In addition to that, you know, say they do sign up for that webinar, we're also going to be tracking, you know, okay, like how much pipe was in room. Uh, we're also going to be talking about what kind of target account representation we have uh, during that webinar. Uh, and then, you know, when that webinar happens, we're not just going to forget about that. We're going to then, you know, keep promoting it as part of, you know, one in a constellation of different content pieces. Um, and then, you know, for us, what we did to kind of to bookend that you know, once we take, you know, once we do a webinar, we put it in our on-demand section on our site so that people can go back and check it out, of course, after the fact. But then we replace that CTA with uh, more of a piece of evergreen content. So we finished, you know, ultimate guide to hybrid cloud monitoring. We put that, you know, as another con- conversion opportunity on a shifting left blog post. So all these things work kind of hand in hand. And then the other part of it is like, we can't forget that shifting left is probably, you know, mostly useful in the sense that it gives us the chance to reach people who might not otherwise know about us. Um, so to that end, it's it's all about how do we capture, you know, the names uh, and email addresses of these people who are kind of coming at app dynamics from the shifting left perspective. And then how do we create a drip around that that keeps them in the loop and ultimately, hopefully, converts them into a prospect. I like this whole campaign. I just like how you recruited <laughs> actual subject matter experts because i think that's missing in in so many in so many orgs whether it's internal or whether it's external and something we do at databox is we pull a lot of you know experts on you know for writing a post on in you know reducing your cost per click on facebook ads you know we don't just hire a, a junior freelance writer to write that post themselves and just post whatever they find in google search we reach out to other subject matter experts and paid search pros or uh, people who work for paid search agencies. And uh, I feel like the content is so much more honest and kind of like what you said, build street cred because you're right. not just, you know, writing about whatever bullets you came across in Google search. So yeah, I like that whole approach. And it certainly seems like you found a way around the whole transitioning to a more technical audience, right? Just get them involved. 
<laughs> it's like a cheat code. <laughs> it's, it's, a cheat like, code. it's honestly like it's you know obviously it's good that I am a marketer because you can really market these things effectively internally. But you know it's it's kind of the same. I feel like even though this is like a technical audience, I feel like this is a challenge that a lot of content marketers face. Right? You go into you know for example. Um, going into a space that you've never worked in before, say it's venture capital. When I was at Mattermark, you know, like I wasn't necessarily super clear about, you know, venture capital and like not an expert in it, but you start to find those experts and you bring yeah. them into the fold. Uh, it's the same thing with like, you know, Drift and their focus on sales reps, you know, obviously like you, you have to know something about, you know, B2B sales. Um, maybe you don't know about it right away, but there are folks who can teach you and you bring them into the fold. You know, when you write a guide to conversational selling, you put them in it. Um, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, I came up with. I've, I've seen Intercom do this for a very long yeah. time, specifically. Um, they've built out, you know, incredible editorial presence for years now. And everyone, you know, if you're in an interview and someone says, what's your example of B2B? Like, everyone's like, intercom. But <laughs> the reason why, like, the reason why it's so notable is because of the way that they've leveraged experts in their their content over the years. And it's just a di differentiator for them. Yeah, it's almost like a magazine layout when you go to their blog. Like, it's how they, the feature stories are so well, well done, well designed, well written. They're, yeah, they're yeah. a great example. Um, yeah, this was great. Sonia, thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for sharing all this stuff. I love Absolutely. hearing about different stories like this on, you know, the, the whole transition to a more technical audience and how you brought in, uh, recruited the, the SMEs. Like, uh, I love this whole story. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.